0: Welcome to Pencils Down, a Finalis podcast. This is a show for listeners wanting to learn more about the ins and outs of the private securities brokerage landscape. Each episode will feature insightful conversations with the world's leading investment bankers, placement agents, capital providers, startup CEOs, and more. And with that, let's get into the show. Graham Woods. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Pencils Down podcast.
1: Oh, you're, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be a part of this.
0: No, very, very much looking forward to this conversation. Just a way to kick things off. I usually like to start by asking our guests to share a little bit about their backgrounds and their eventual paths into investment banking. What characterized that path for you?
1: My, my career began when I was a teenager working with my dad. He, he worked on mining and development projects in Western and Southern Africa and uh he was a bit of a serial entrepreneur and i think i caught his bug early on in life and i gained a lot from the experiences uh, working with him they kind of defined who i am as a businessman and they kind of defined some of the the uh, goals and values that i try to bring out in in my own business my my first business acquisition deal happened through my father's business um, it was a joint venture in South Africa, the purchase of uh, a steel mill uh, and and some property. And I have to say, uh, the path that I took today came about from three different routes uh, from there. Uh, first, my experience in business development. Second, uh, my experience in personal finance and real estate and in insurance and in my investment advisory. And then third, uh, I had a short detour In my life in the U.S. Army Reserve, there I served as a civil affairs sergeant and parachutist. I had one deployment overseas in Bosnia. Civil affairs there involved peacekeeping activities, um, which kind of means, kind of meant coordinating resources, liaison between the military and civilian population and coordinating humanitarian assistance. Um, I had the opportunity to work on some economic development projects in that Emerging market economy, and you haven't you haven't lived until you've cut deals while dressed in camouflage and wearing a pistol on your hip. So that's that's a, a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> that's an immediate form of leverage.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Well, I tried not to make it be. Uh, we we actually had they issued us pistols and M16s, and my team we like to leave our M16s back at base because we, we didn't want to scare people. Because we're trying to trying to make friends, but uh, yeah, it was was interesting. While working with my dad, I eventually found uh, myself working on a program sponsored by the Overseas Private Investment Corporation. Um, They had a program called the Enterprise Development Network, and it was my first, technically my first government contract. Though the government didn't actually pay me, I was contracted as an originator for OPIC, where I would identify deals and opportunities that involved foreign direct investment by us small and medium-sized enterprises and then those companies would pay me to help them assemble the opic application package i worked on deals mostly targeting western and southern africa Um, those are the areas where my dad was working so that's kind of where i built my uh, experience and expertise the clients were us-based sponsors or small businesses Uh, my work involved a lot of consulting on startup businesses and i found that they had similar issues to overcome. Uh, Without fail, almost every client had personal finance issues that needed to be resolved before OPIC or any bank would look at their project. Um, This is where I first saw the connection between business development and personal finance uh, as part of my growth path. Uh, My my second uh, path in in the career led to uh, real estate sales. And even today, I'm a commercial real estate agent. Um, I started real estate in 2005 during the boom, shortly before the bust. Um, and then in 2007, uh, you remember our, our world fell apart. We went from deals that were just walking through the door. So a customer or a client would come in the door, say, I wanna buy a house and bang, commission check. Is that easy? Um, to I had to learn the ins and outs of short sales consult on credit repair, um, and then I actually had to learn how to go out and prospect for business. God forbid, I actually had to do work at that time. Foreclosures were at an all-time high, and I felt that the real estate advisors of that time failed clients. Uh, and I'm talking about the, the agents, the brokers, the CPAs, the attorneys, um, they all failed them. Real estate agents are transaction-focused by, by nature. Uh, they don't care what happens to the client after the sale. Um, the, only th- the only thing they really care about is if two years to five years down the line, there might be another sale, they want to stay in contact. But other than that, they don't care what happens to the client or the house. Um, and they don't care what it took for the client to qualify to make that purchase. And I felt that things had to change and that there had to be a way to build relationships with clients to help them with finance before, during, and after the transaction. Uh, So I started my first investment advisory firm to provide insurance and financial planning services to my real estate clients. That was in 2010. I didn't realize at the time, but I wasn't the only one formulating a method to combine personal planning and business transactions. So fast forward to this time last year, I had just completed the Certified Exit Planning Advisor program. I was so excited because these guys have put down in writing everything I was, I was thinking about business value acceleration, which was consulting meant to prepare the business for exit or financing, personal planning and gap analysis that acknowledges that the business owners see their businesses as their main asset, their retirement plan and their estate plan. And business owners have this asset in place, but they don't know how to achieve the liquidity they need to fund their financial plans. So as soon as I completed the program, I decided to revisit the idea of deeper engagement in business planning with that process. So I wanted to go back to something similar to what I was doing with OPIC, um, but bring in financial planning for the business owners.
0: So j- just curious to dig in there. I think that there's a, a couple of areas there that you touched upon that I think deserve a, a little bit deeper exploration. The first is the Africa focus. So I'm just curious, you know where where did that come from? you know the the initial exposure to business development and personal finance issues that you were confronting on the African continent.
1: How far back do you want to go? It's the way my dad brought me up, so my first my first experience with Africa really was when I was about three years old, actually two. Uh, he moved my whole family moved to Liberia. Where he uh, volunteered for overseas to help train entrepreneurs in business development. That's why we wound up in Western Africa, um, in Liberia. And while he was there, he's entrepreneur, so uh, he made a lot of connections. Did the uh, exploration of the economy and industry is that's what he he did naturally. Um, and he discovered uh, a couple of times they showed him places where there is there is need for development but they don't have the the resources or the the training to make that happen Uh, one of them was a uh he he was shown a mining a mining uh site where it was just a hole in the ground where all of the it was a gold mine all of the gold was removed but then there was nothing replaced it was just a hole in the ground when the when when it was completely uh empty the companies picked up moved out and then the country uh we were in uh he actually went to Re- the Republic of Guinea to see this. The country they were left with with nothing, so they got very very little of the uh, profits from from the extraction of the natural resources. So that's kind of where he got into that that uh, business. He decided that uh, well, let's help use these natural resources, but leave some of the some of the benefits uh, in in Africa with with the people who own own the resources. So he started a joint venture with the Republic of Guinea to set up a mining company.
0: It seems seems to be quite far reaching in the sense that it wasn't until really just the last three decades that international development and the the promotion of the stimulation of the private sector as a means to develop emerging frontier economies has been in vogue. So Clearly, your father was on the cutting edge or the bleeding edge of, you know, how how we think about international development, uh, which is, you know, to promote job creation and the simulation of the private sector in countries like Liberia. Your father sounds like a fascinating figure in that in that sense, because he was clearly cutting cutting his own path.
1: Yeah, he was was an impact investor before uh, uh, we knew about impact investing.
0: And then, you know, as it relates specifically to this observation that you had around business development and personal finance, and really the fact that it's not an either or, this is an integrated or holistic uh, approach, perhaps you have an anecdote that you might share about family circumstance that you witnessed that, that really brought home to you this sense that, hey, we're really, you really need to come to the table as a financial advisor with with a more holistic lens as it relates to family finances and business development
1: yeah i had uh several clients uh but one one was notable and i have to be careful about everything everything i say because this it's this was on the financial planning side and i don't want to give anyone away uh their spouse had passed away and their spouse was running a business that was very successful they had contracts in place with schools and and government agencies to continue uh, to operate this business. But the problem was it's one of those businesses that depended solely on that. Um, And this client came to me, uh, actually her her boss came to me and uh, asked to set up because they wanted to make a gift to her to help. Uh, ease ease some of the her pain to set to work with her but when she came to me she talked about is there anything that I can do to help save this business because it's got it's got contracts and we've got money coming in and and everything and there was nothing nothing done in terms of she she had on her financial personal financial stuff she was set Um, I was impressed she she thought ahead looking at the retirement plans and, and everything. Their kids were in school, had graduated. Um, but when it came to this business, there was nothing done on the estate planning side and then on the business planning side to make sure that it will continue on to help support support that family. So th- uh, that was one of the things that, this was before, several years before the pandemic, but it got me thinking again back into, you know what, I really have to do something about about this gap and uh, uh, the, the, the separation of, of corporate finance and personal finance when it comes to small, small and medium-sized businesses.
0: It makes perfect sense, and it's remarkable to me that financial advisors and investment bankers have only recently, it really feels like within the last five to 10 years, you've started to see a convergence, uh, especially in the lower middle market. Of investment banking and and financial advisory, where there is a recognition that single family offices, you know, high net worth individuals are really looking for a one stop shop. Uh, they're not necessarily looking for a large portfolio of financial advisors to support them, but they're they're looking for a financial advisor that can support both sides of their business or of their wealth management. So it, it does make perfect sense. I realized I sidelined you on those questions, but to me it w- I was just curious to see kind of how some of those early experiences informed you know, some of the decisions that you made and in particular as it relates to the ultimate formation of GS Woods back in 2016. And you know I, I would love to learn a little bit more about the initial thesis that led you to form gs woods and to share with the listeners what that journey has been like for you
1: so somewhere in between uh when i started that uh first registered investment advisory firm and gs woods i took a detour into uh, uh i started working for a large insurance uh, company selling life insurance, and then I was also uh, registered as an uh, investment advisor representative doing uh, financial planning. Um, and the reason I did that was because I realized I needed more training—not just sales training. Sales is always the most difficult part for for an entrepreneur, but um, I wanted to be better at working with the tools that financial advisors use to help help clients. So I felt that with with them. I can get some of the insurance and securities training, but also how to be an advisor uh, to clients through that process. I really uh bought into the the or bought in, but i I identified closer to with with the goals uh planning, helping clients achieve goals, whatever goals they're looking for, as opposed to oh, I can get you uh, this return on investment. How about I can get you to help pay for graduate school, which I was able to do. I, I put a client; she put herself, but I helped the client <laughs> pay for graduate school uh, to make the next step, next step in her career. So when I left, I left that company, and that's when I started GS Woods because I felt I had learned enough, and I really didn't like the the idea of pushing a single product. Um, on people, no matter what problems they had. Um, I had people that were, uh, I had prospective clients that were running businesses that had issues with workman's compensation. And I ended up trying to sell them life insurance and, and, uh, disability insurance and never answering their question about workman's compensation. So it gets to a point where, you know, if, if, if you want to really help people, I feel you got to go independent, set up the practice the way you think it should be set up so that when I'm talking to people, I'm talking to them about so, coming up with solutions for the problems that they're dealing with uh, financially uh, every day.
0: What's interesting there is that in your, on your website, you talk about delivering a more holistic approach to investment advisory, where what you're focused on doing is really understanding people's goals. The goal rarely is just a number, right? It's more than that. So to a certain extent, you are almost like a psychologist, like really trying to understand, you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve or what outcome are you looking to optimize for? And then another thing that you said that was, I found to be very interesting is that you're kind of connecting that observation with the need to go independent right? Which is what what GS Woods is a reflection of that, you know, this desire to go independent, so that you can reinforce this more relationship driven approach. To what extent do you think that that relationship driven approach is just harder to achieve within a larger organizational context, that that it's just easier for you to get there in the context of launching your own platform?
1: The larger firms they have sales requirements, they have production requirements that that need to be meet and they have certain types of products that they need need to sell so uh, uh, whether broker dealer type financial advisors where they have minimum asset requirements so you can't talk the clients that don't have more than 250,000 dollars or more than half a million dollars they they can't be serviced by this particular broker dealer um, and then there's other other the insurance broker dealers where their their main focus. Um, they're only broker dealers because they have these variable products that they want to sell and their main focus is selling the insurance products that they have not necessarily the investment products that they have. Um, or if you're talking about the the bank type advisors, where it's more about opening up the accounts because the main goal of the bank's goal is the is to have accounts open I'm talking about commercial banks um, open up those accounts I think that that I I fit in where I I can talk to as an individual in an independent advisor I can talk to whoever I want I don't have to have minimum asset requirements I can assure that I get the revenue based on Maybe my my pricing strategy for the different fees that I service, I serve, or the different products that I choose to work with. So on the insurance side, I'm a broker. I can work with different different companies to get the products that my clients need. Um, now it's, it's not as easy building the relationship because uh, in this market, clients they're used to the way it's been. So when you come to them saying, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to push any type of product on you. They don't really believe you. I, I found, especially when I'm talking about when we're going, when I'm working on a financial plan and we start going into the risk management section and we're talking about insurance and I talk about, well, what types of life insurance policies that should they be looking at? Uh, I get sometimes they, they, they start to tense up because they think I'm trying to sell them insurance but I'm not really trying to sell you an insurance product. I'm trying to sell you on insurance to help protect help protect the rest of this this plan that we're, that we're working on.
0: That's fascinating, and I could see how that model would resonate. It certainly re- resonates with me because you know if, if you think about you know some of the most important financial decisions you're going to be making and the type of advice that you're giving, you want to make sure that your advisor is completely you know kind of uh, agnostic. To what you ultimately choose, because that advisor is so focused on you know delivering results for you on the basis of your objectives.
1: I'm able to set up a plan where I always tell them in the beginning, I'm going to put together this plan, and there's going to be investment recommendations on your portfolio. But you can implement this plan with anybody. It doesn't have to be me, with me, um, even though I prefer it <laughs> because I want the I want the fee income.
0: Oh, certainly. And and how have your prospective clients and your existing clients uh, responded to this relationship-driven approach? This re- this more holistic approach to financial advisory.
1: It, it depends. Each 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 one is is different. Um, some of them have really embraced it. I've noticed it, it is usually the the more entrepreneurial clients who are trying to solve their own family and business uh, problems that are like oh yeah I can take it I can I can use uh, your services to help answer these questions Um, I don't I don't get a lot of comprehensive planning but I get clients that become financial planning clients that come for individual consultations. so they may say hey you know what I want to talk about my business now, but I'm also in next year. I want to buy a house. Can we do that? Can we talk about that next year in a separate engagement? So I get, I get that clients just coming back. And sometimes those are my, those are my favorite clients because I get to see each little aspect of their plan come, come to fruition. And uh, uh, when they're coming back, I know they're happy with, with the work I've done.
0: No, it's fascinating. And it's clear to me that you know, you've been able to stake out a, a very authentic path for yourself and, and GS Woods as it relates to the approach that you're taking uh, as you're reaching out and building your customer base. I'm just curious, looking back now on this journey, you know, since you launched yeah, your platform, what practical or actionable advice would you give to somebody looking to set up their own Investment banking or investment advisory business
1: well, well, my advice is for advisors to consider what type of lifestyle they are they want to have in the future a lot of a lot of this business uh, and even in real estate and insurance uh, they follow the, the the policy you eat what you kill um, and that's a hard way to do business and that's a hard hard uh, uh, activity to keep up for years and years you're always prospecting you're always selling you're always closing building relationships means that i'm going to have that client that keeps coming back so i don't always have to eat what i kill sometimes uh you're just a part of the success you're working on the success of your clients um so the goal here for me is to build build a business that has reoccurring revenue when my wife convinces me to take a vacation I can take off a few weeks, and I don't have to worry about the the business uh, falling apart. Um, I'm making money, and my money is making money. There's also a risk management strategy for uh, the way my business is set up. Um, I've diversified my revenue sources cool. so that when the market is down in one area, um, I just switch over and focus on another aspect of, the, of my business. So if if uh, we have a we have the, a potential recession coming up. Uh, if if everything completely goes uh, downhill and we have 2007 again, well, then I can talk start talking to people about another maybe maybe just start dealing with insurance and other risk management strategies to help protect them and get them through this this uh, upcoming economy. And I also shift my marketing and sales strategy to focus on those those places where the market is up just just to protect your business uh, you want many clients you don't want to defend depend on a few Uh, you want to diversify revenue streams as i said before uh, with related service lines so all of my service lines are are interrelated uh, otherwise i would drive myself crazy trying to learn uh, insurance and securities business and my service lines are uh, financial planning where i focus on exit planning, estate planning, and business continuation planning, insurance and risk management. So I'm licensed in health, accident, property, and casualty insurance. Um, I'm also a chartered life underwriter. Uh, Commercial real estate, because many family enterprises own real estate as their core family business. Uh, And lower middle market mergers and acquisitions and uh, raising of private capital.
0: I wanted to kind of Double tap on the last thing you mentioned, which is obviously the the investment banking aspect of your portfolio, which is ultimately what brought you to Finalis in I believe April. It's been almost a year. Time flies when you're having fun, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> and curious, first of all, just to get your observations on what you've observed in your on the investment advisory side of your business with respect to interest in alternative investments and to what extent do you think that there is a a growing interest in alternative investments on the part of your clients
1: prior to the pandemic which is when i really shift shifted my business focus from just mostly personal financial planning to planning for uh, owners and 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 their businesses the talk of alternative investments really had to do with adding adding that as as into your portfolio into your managed managed account or into your retirement plan um, as a way to to hedge risk manage risk in your portfolio. this is a little bit different because we're talking about uh, uh more sophisticated investors that are that are dealing with either larger sums of money or different risks that they're they're trying to uh, manage. I think that they are the the interest in alternative investments is high uh, for the clients that I'm targeting. And they're still doing the same thing. They're still managing the risks in their their portfolio, um, but in more direct investment into real estate or into private companies.
0: It makes a ton of sense. And since you kind of decided to take the leap into this investment banking uh, side of the business, uh, share a little bit about what that journey has been like. I know that you've been active for example in the Finalis marketplace mm-hmm. uh and in interactions with other Finalis affiliated investment bankers um in the network. you know, curious to learn more about the potential opportunities that you've come across since you've started uh your affiliation at Finalis.
1: Yeah, the, the uh as a relatively new banker uh, the marketplace is is great for me. It's a learning tool. Um, it's a golden opportunity to identify experienced uh, bankers that can help me uh, in in my deals um, with like minds uh, who like to collaborate. Um, some of my current deal flow and, and management processes are being developed through the talks I have with with the other bankers on the platform, and I also consider the marketplace. As a marketing tool, I have available uh, when I'm talking to clients, um, because now I have this huge network of highly experienced bankers who are special specialists in uh, different industries, who might be interested in supporting the deal. Uh, so I can go in, I, I, I can be agnostic in the industries that I work in, but I can tell them, yeah, well, we ha- we can build a team around for for your deal uh that have specialties in in uh uh whatever whatever you're talking about. I also have with with the marketplace um it's discreet and exclusive, so I can tell tell clients that you know what before we before we go out let's let's take a look to see if if one of the bankers uh on on the marketplace platform might be able to help finance this deal or might be interested in in uh investing in this deal. And then uh, in building the uh, selling groups and syndicates. I have a source of pre-pre vetted bankers, which is great because then I can control the way the deals are marketed and how they're talked about. This is a risk management strategy for uh, uh, me and for my clients. So I, I use that incentive, the 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 risk management strategy, as to to get clients to sign the exclusive uh, engagements with me because now we can control the story about their business and how it's getting out there.
0: It's really exciting to hear that, Graham. And I think it's it's a strong validation regarding what ultimately led us to launch the deal flow product and, and the marketplace environment, which was really just around finding ways to, on the one hand, give you as an investment banker, all of the freedom, autonomy, and creative license that you want but on the other hand, give you access to leverage. And an important source of that leverage is access to a network and a network that might be in a position to augment the way in which you're able to deliver value back to your clients. So we're still in the very early days of manifesting this vision, but it's exciting and heartening to hear that even just over the course of the last year, you've been able to take advantage of of what we've built
1: it's it's a it's a it's a fascinating uh thing you have here and and uh I'm excited to see what's what's coming next
0: certainly and and speaking of what's coming next uh I was curious to hear you know what what g s Wood's plans are for this coming year. Is there anything that you want to plug <laughs>
1: Uh well there's there's some some exciting uh uh things that have happened in the past year that that I can say that that makes me feel like my future is bright so uh last year I I was able to sign a a government my second government contract but this time they pay me uh with a <laughs> with a uh, public pension um and what's exciting I'm actually a subcontractor um but it's exciting cuz I get the experience And I get to build a a reputation in government contracting so that I can go for the, the bigger, uh, uh, contracts. This, this firm, I'm actually subcontracting with an actuary firm, which is, which is interesting. Uh, they needed help with, uh, on the financial advising side of dealing with, with, uh, the, the interest rate assumption for, for pension plans. Um, one of the things I one of the goals I have with this business is to target that like go back to my roots that we discussed uh, with with uh, about the, where I got from my dad um, and I want to target more disadvantaged businesses um, that don't have the same access to capital. Uh, so I have in my in my family. Um, it's not believable, but not everybody followed my dad's footsteps. So we have I have a lot of uh, engineers and scientists uh, like my wife um, and they have ideas but they don't always make it to market because they don't have the same access to capital so i want to be the one to reach out to them and other people uh women people of color uh throughout the country that have these engineering and scientific ideas that need to bring them to market to to finance them um i want to be the one to Open up that access for them. Uh, so that's one of the goals. And then in the back of my mind, uh, I've always had my my dad's goals in Africa. Um, and so one one of these days, I don't know, I don't know when it's going to be. It's not going to be this year, but <laughs> uh, I'd like to revisit some of some of his his projects.
0: Well, those are both incredibly noble objectives for the coming year, and I think that you know those who will stand to benefit the most are obviously uh, your clients as you as you continue to build out this platform i can speak you know on behalf of finalis i mean we're just uh, incredibly excited to continue along this partnership Graham. really wish you all the best in this coming year and very much looking forward to continuing the conversation and the partnership in the days ahead
1: it sounds good thank you
0: thank you so much Finalis is a broker-dealer platform with everything that m and advisors, investment bankers, and placement agents need to succeed. We deliver a broker-in-a-box regulatory affiliation solution replete with tech-enabled compliance, research and analytics, deal lifecycle management tools, and a first-of-its-kind deal marketplace. Learn more at www.finalis.com. You've been listening to Pencils Down, a Finalis podcast. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep covering the latest in the private securities brokerage landscape. Thanks for listening. Until next time.